Elliot, did you see that at long last, Mark Hamill finally got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Oh, yeah. No, I'm telling you, it's it's long overdue considering the impact that Mark Hamill has had, you know, not just in what he's done with Star Wars, um, also in Batman, the animated series as the Joker. He's a he's a renowned voice actor. And I'm sorry, you know, with the, the as active as he's been on social media, too. I mean, he's giving our current POTUS to run for his money. Well, he's already got the uh, the, the social media thing going on. Uh, you know, he has name recognition, obviously. Uh, you know, if, if, if he wanted to run for president in 2020, yeah, maybe he could. What, what, what party do you think he'd belong to? Oh, seriously, the dude is like, it's got to be a liberal. I'd say he'd be a Democrat. I don't know. Some of the stuff he said, he kind of sounds like a Republican to me. Amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrato. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Well, maybe it's one of those other shows, like Outer Limits. Confuse the Twilight Zone with the Outer Limits? Do you even know me? Geek Counter Geek, number Lucky 113. Keith Conrad here, uh, Elliot Serrano over there. Uh, at Keith R. Conrad on Twitter, at Elliot Serrano on Twitter. You can also follow the show at Geek Counter Geek, Facebook.com slash Geek Counter Geek. Uh, Elliot, um, you know, it seems like uh, everybody on planet Earth is talking about Black Panther. And that's led to some problems for you, hasn't it? Well, yeah, because, I mean, um, if, if I don't get a chance, I mean, I, this is a geek world problems, right? So if I don't get a chance to see it at an advanced screening and I didn't get invited to the advanced screening in Chicago, all my friends were there, not me, I was, I was not invited, um, then, I, I, then I can never seem to get in to see it because, uh, uh, let's see, the first weekend was sold out. You couldn't get a ticket anywhere. So it was the second weekend, basically. Yeah, second weekend. So the theaters that I go to was very difficult to get into, and at least for the times that I was able to go. So it didn't matter because everyone spoiled it online anyway. Um, You know, I was reading some of the reaction um, um, essays about it. Of course, this movie is uh, stirring a lot of conversation. And uh, some of the folks who were writing about it didn't, you know, didn't say, hey, there are spoilers ahead. They just pretty much said, well... And when Killmonger dies, I'm like, oh, well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, by the way, if you hadn't seen it now, I've spoiled you. But, you know, hey, join the club. The cycle is complete. Um, The cycle is complete. Uh, But still, um, there was uh, there were a lot of uh, conversations that came about it. I asked about it on my own Facebook page, especially with how um, how much talk was given to the um the portrayal of the fictional country of U- uh, wakanda um in black panther Wait, which by so the much- way uh wakanda illinois has been getting uh, prank calls ever since the movie came out you know and if i were them you know apparently they're getting all huffy about it if i were them i'd be like jumping on that bandwagon you know you've got metropolis illinois 
you know, that has that, that has touted itself as the official home of Superman. Oh, yeah. They're all in on that. They're all, they go all in on that. So if you're Wakanda, Illinois, you're like, yeah, all right, we'll do it. You know, and then you got to, you know, make yourself a nice little tourist, uh, nice little touristy uh, thing. And, yeah, you'd be getting folks. But just know. just uh, dig a big hole in the ground and say it's a vibranium mine. That, that's the vibranium mine. That, yeah, that's, that's all you have to do. The, Which, uh, by the way, did, right did, did, did you see this story that, uh, you know, because because you mentioned that you haven't been uh, invited to these special uh, press screenings of of uh of black panther you see there were there were two kids who wanted to uh you know they, they could only afford one ticket but they both wanted to get in <laughs> so they went out they went in uh you know like a uh, little rascal style uh, with uh one standing on the other's shoulders he could have tried that with, with a big trench coat yeah yes yeah no uh, so it, to me that you know that and that was really clever and that just went to show you how much um how much buzz and, 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 and interest there was surrounding this film and how much, you know, you had all these campaigns out there, you know, to give kids, you know, in the inner city and, in, you know, in impoverished communities, depressed communities, economically disadvantaged communities. They wanted to give these kids a chance to see the movie for free. So you had all these movie stars and community groups all just pitching in and getting buying up entire theaters. So they can get these kids to see the movie, which is awesome, is great. Um, you know, I think, you know, if that, you know, if that much interest is in this character, boom, it's going to take off. And I mean, I'm telling you right in Marvel's wheelhouse, because as of now, the movie has already made seven hundred million dollars. It's almost it's over half a billion dollars and it hasn't even opened in China yet. So. Yeah, I guess it really pokes a hole in my uh, whole theory because we had talked about this uh, a couple episodes ago, where I said that I wasn't quite sure. You know, when uh, when when uh, when Marvel starts retiring sort of the original people, you know, people like Iron Man and Captain America, uh, and, and you start getting into like these second generation people, I wasn't quite sure how people would uh, would embrace them. Yeah, it sort of pokes a hole in that theory. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I'm going to go a little nerdy here, but the. That a lot of folks may not realize that before the first Iron Man movie came out with Robert Downey Jr. I mean, and 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 with Marvel, uh, Iron Man was a second tier character. Okay, yes, he had been around forever. He had been in the original Avengers, all those things, but he was a second tier character. He wasn't that um, that popular. But Marvel Comics, their most popular characters uh, were the X Men. X Men was always the most popular. Uh, series for the longest time so the fact that they were able to elevate iron man to a a top tier character and yes captain america was a second tier character been around forever yes a, a, a story you know a, a legendary character been around for decades and you know and people are so invested in but here's the thing it wasn't until that movie came out and and it became the the pop culture phenomenon that it was uh, that people really start thinking Captain America is the coolest. And then that's when the Captain America comic really started taking off. So, you know, yes, well, with the next generation of characters coming through, it's Marvel saying, hey, you know, we caught lightning in a bottle before, you know, we're going to try and do it it again. That's why you have, you know, if you look at the casting, you know, for these movies, you have Paul Rudd playing Ant-Man, right? 
He's going to be once Robert Downey Jr. decides he doesn't, you know, he's going to fade into the background, not do Tony Stark as regularly. Paul Rudd's going to be the the comic relief kind of smart, you know, charming guy who's in there to also provide comic relief, just like Iron Man did for the for a bit. Um, I mean, well, Iron Man, not so much comic relief as he was the butt of the joke as he was the one making the jokes. But still, usually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, Doctor Strange. You know, that that's another character that they're going to want to elevate. And then Captain Marvel, the female Captain Marvel is going to come along. And, yeah, we already know Black Panther is going to be is huge. So um, it's it's uh, it's working. It's working so far for them. You know, but back to back to Black Panther, um, as I had said, you know, I had a discussion on my um, Facebook page. And as I'm getting spoiled, you know, I asked, hey, what if. Uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby had decided to create that character today. Um, would it, would they be accused of cultural appropriation? Oh, that's a good that, question. Yeah, you know, because you would have heard you heard a lot about that in other um, things. Um, you, that's something that goes around a lot in um, on social media. Mm-hmm. That well, uh, you'll see. What was interesting for me is uh, kind of. To your point is like there were so many think pieces about Black Panther, you know, because it was obviously it was all the news because it made so much money. So naturally, like everybody's going to decide they uh, they have to get their, um, you know, hot taken that's unrelated to the actual movie. And uh, this was this was the first movie I can remember in, in quite some time. And it's it's certainly happened before where you had the think pieces on both sides saying, yeah, uh, Black Panther is clearly a liberal movie. No, Black Panther is a conservative movie. And. And then, oh, I love me, Breitbart's take. Me, yeah. me looking at both of them, going, "Are you nuts?" Either of you. <laughs> um, you know, well, you know what Brock, Black Panther is? It's a comic book movie. <laughs> it is, yes. <clears throat> so, yeah. and and again, I'm not going to dismiss folks. You know, again, giving their takes. I mean, because even with the Black Panther comic itself, if you read, um, and, and this is another thing that I so much attention was given to the movie, and I'm like, oh, that's great. Um, but you know what? Hey, how about getting um, into reading the Black Panther comics? You know, these the comic books were pretty groundbreaking, too. The, the last um, <clears throat> iteration of the title um, had an all, you know, mostly a mostly black creative team. You had Ty. I always um, say his name incorrectly. Ty Nahosi Cates. Yeah, I'm not, I know I'm not going to I shouldn't even say it. And, and then Brian's Ty. We'll, do, we'll just call him Ty. Ty. Yeah, and then um, Brian uh, Brian Stelfries, who for years I said his name as Steelfries, and he signs it Steelfries, but it is Stelfries. When I met him, he went, "No, it's Stelfries." Um, I'm a big fan of his work, um, and and they did the you know the um, Nation Under Our Feet, you know that that uh, that first opening arc, first six series, uh, first six issues that you can get collected in a trade paperback now. And like, and um, a lot of the stuff that you see in that book, you uh, it turned up in the Black Panther movie, you know. So I mean, it would have. I, I don't know how um, much of an impact the movie has had on the comic books. Would love to see, you know, a lot of these kids who were, you know, we were getting these kids, you know, in, in to see the Black Panther movie for free. Hey, why don't we buy them some comics too and get them to read these things too, you know? Because again. I'm a huge proponent of, you know, introducing kids to comics to encourage reading, <clears throat> and yeah, and then and then explore those themes through that medium as well. Um, you know, um, it, it, again, great. I think it's awesome. 
Um, anything that gets people, you know, talking about these characters and having great conversations. Um, just don't make stupid memes pretending that you got jumped at a Black Panther screening and told that you didn't belong there. Yeah, I kind of wanted to avoid that, but uh, it, it was actually like the but BuzzFeed had a pretty good. Uh, and this is the first time you're ever going to hear me say these words. BuzzFeed had a pretty good article on this. <laughs> uh, actually summing up that uh, much like the think pieces, it was actually both sides who decided they were going to uh, they were going to fake stuff. Yeah, they did. I saw it on both sides. This is true. Uh, this so, is why we can't have nice things. Why? Why can't we just and again, but again, I will say when it comes to what you see on social media, we tend to overblow it. You know, I mean, this is only even if you had like okay let's say it's like ten thousand people are creating this and sharing this particular meme right ten thousand people that is still a minuscule less than a percentage point of the total population of the united states so i think a lot of times in social media when we see it on social media we tend to blow up its significance more than it actually is because even if ten thousand people in the united states got together and stood on a corner and said the black there's a racist movie. All right. That's one time 10,000 people get together. And how, again, how many people are in the United States of America? I believe it's about 320 million, Elliot. There we go. So it's still a tiny, tiny portion of the of the population. And we tend to give some folks wait. I mean, you know, it's funny. We tend to give the loons, the minorities, the, the minority opinion. I'm not going to say I take it. Not minorities, but the minority opinion of the Looney Tunes, we tend to amplify them more than the actual minority opinion, meaning the folks who are minorities who really need to have their opinions recognized and mm-hmm. respected. You know, if I see if I if I see another article about the flat Earth again, I swear to Jeebus. <laughs> you know, it, I, I, I've I've really I, I've thought this all along, but I've I've come to the conclusion. They're just they're just trolling people, right? I mean, there's no way that someone in 2018, where literally there's like live cameras pointed at the Earth right now, there's no way that you could believe that's a government conspiracy. The Earth is flat. Government conspiracy. Come on, come on, Keith. You even know it. Come on, you know, you know it. Uh, but by the way, uh, uh, you know, I think somewhat uh, underreported in the whole, uh, you know, Black Panther discussion. Chadwick Boseman, he's having himself a hell of a career at this point. Oh, yeah. And and, um, and Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan got a big comeback, you know, did the, the Creed movie. Yeah. And now, yeah. you know, he's a big, you know, probably they're saying one of the, the more um, best, one of the better villains in, in Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, so, yeah, Chadwick. Chadwick's going to be big, Creed, uh, uh, um, Michael B. Jordan, and, I, <laughs> and here I am. I feel so bad, again, forgetting the actor's name, because there's a great meme <laughs> going around <laughs> about the young man who starred in Get Out. Uh, yeah, that, that's a, I, you know, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, because I'll get it wrong. Right, I mean. And then it's like him. You go wait, wait, when when uh, you do not have the gift of discernment. I mean, the, you know, he's always making bad choices. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's wrong. That is wrong. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> uh, so again, you know, 
Hey, great. And uh, of course, um, <clears throat> Ryan Coogler, the director. I mean, we're talking the world is his oyster now. I mean, they're already saying that, that, that he should do the sequel to Black Panther, which I say, by all means, let him do it. Uh -huh. um, and then um, and then, you know, open it up even more for more black creators and and people of color to be, you know, you know, working on scripts, directing, um, being in production crews, being producers, all those things. Like uh, like Patty Jenkins for uh, for women. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, even before Patty Jenkins, I mean, um, you know, Catherine Bigelow. Oh yeah, um, yeah, she's you know, she's done great stuff. If for some reason, Penelope Cirrus gets forgotten. I mean, she only did one of the biggest blockbusters of, of all time in, in you know Wayne's World. I mean, <laughs> when serious, is, though, but, when is she gonna get the the credit that she deserves? See, you know, it's like they always talk about, oh, female directors don't get their recognition. Well, yeah, y'all who keep well, touting yeah. as Patty Jenkins is the best thing since sliced bread. You're forgetting Catherine Bigelow, who came along before Patty Jenkins, and Penelope Sears even before her, before Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, but no, no, Patty Jenkins. Don't get. I mean, again, I'm not. You, you think you think Jenkins. you think Catherine Big Bigelow actually maybe doesn't get the credit that she deserves because she tends to do like uh, um, you know like historic sort of. Uh, movies, and, and guy stuff. Well, like well, not, not necessarily people, guy yeah. stuff, but it, but I think that uh, you know, like uh, I think what wasn't her first movie K nineteen? Oh, the the yeah, the Widowmaker. The yeah, one the, with, the uh, Russian submarine movie. Yeah, with a uh, with a uh, Harrison Ford, and um, no, no, wasn't that one? Because she done she done um strange strange days. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, uh, uh, James Cameron wrote Fiennes. that. Yeah. Yeah, James Cameron, Ray Fiennes, and Angela Bassett. Um, so. Okay, yeah. but but yeah, her her more recent stuff. I mean, um, you know, was was definitely definitely tends to be more in the you know historical drama sort of thing. And I wonder if if uh, well, she did the Bin Laden movie um, was Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. Well, that's that's still a historical drama. It's just very recent. Yeah, and it's like, but also man stuff, you know, like you know, testosterone driven. Um, the, the it, it was all that. It was all that time thing. hanging around with uh, with James Cameron. James Cameron, yeah. Oh, man, man. Oh, it'd be great to see James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow get back together on, let's say, a Terminator movie. That would be fun. Well, the new Terminator movie. Um, you know, it's going to be a trilogy, and um, he's actually working with the, uh, I, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but it's the guy who directed uh, Deadpool. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. Well, no, that was a duo that did Deadpool, didn't it? Didn't uh, yeah. Tim Miller. Okay. Tim uh, there's, there's a duo doing the second Deadpool, I believe. I could be wrong. Uh, no, no, but uh, Tim Miller directed uh, Deadpool. I was just saying the yeah. sequel. Yeah, because he, he got Tim Miller's not doing the sequel. Yeah, he, but, he got okay. he got fired for for some reason. I, oh. I, I, I literally missed that entire uh, that entire part of the uh, of the story. Like one minute uh, I, I was literally he I guess, you know, because the, the Terminator franchise is in such bad shape at this point that when they announced it, they literally had like a one hour sit down interview with Tim Miller and James Cameron explaining that. Yeah, you know, we're we actually know what we're doing, and we're going to make a movie that's good now. And uh, just at some point in there, he said, "Yeah, I, when I got fired from Deadpool two, and I was like, oh, so you got fired from Deadpool two? Who knew?" Yeah, uh, it's that's Sony showing they don't know anything. <laughs> pretty, pretty much, yeah. 
But anyway, uh, we've gone way off the subject of Black Panther, but still. (laughs) At some point, I'm going to get a chance to see the movie. Hopefully, I'll get a chance to see it before the new Terminator movie comes out. I think that's 2019, so I have faith in you that that you're going to be able to. I will see. I mean, anything's possible. I, I do know that I will be at the press screening for a wrinkle in time. So, boom. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Well, you know, that's uh, with a with a female director. A female oh, that's director. right. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh-huh. and and not uh, Catherine Bigelow or Patty Jenkins. Uh huh. Or Penelope Sirius. Right. <laughs> Uh, you know, unlike the uh, unlike the people making uh, Deadpool two, uh, some people who know what they're doing are the folks at Tweet Audio. Uh, you can uh, visit them at uh, tweetaudio.com. Oh yeah, because if you're looking for headphones, gear to listen to podcasts, to uh, co-op game, to make uh, to hook up to your mobile device, make phone calls, conversations, just listen to music. Uh, they have a number of different styles and colors, different price points, uh, mic and non-mic versions, wire and wireless versions. Um, and on top of that, when you find the set of earphones or headphones that you want, you can enter the code GCG at checkout. You're going to get 33% off and free worldwide shipping. When you consider how much shipping can cost you alone. I know shipping keeps me a lot of times from buying something when I see how much shipping is, I'm like, ah, that's okay. I don't need that. Um, but it's going to be free worldwide shipping plus 33% off uh, the price of the item that you select when you enter the code GCG at checkout. And that's go to tweetaudio.com. And, of course, once you get your headphones and uh, accessories from tweetaudio.com, you'll want to listen to some of the great podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, including the Dishing Bitches and uh, the... They, the, uh, um, they, they mention a new dating trend called love bombing. And because of the fact that I haven't heard about it and they're talking about it, I'm not sure that I want to know what it is. <laughs> uh, Do you want me to explain to you what love bombing is? I, 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 think that, uh, I, I think that uh, what we should do is we should start like uh, just coming up with our own dating trends and sending it to them. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. It's called the Benjamin Franklin. And, and just, you know, just, just make up stuff and, and see if we can get them to yeah. talk about it. Yeah, but it, um, uh, we're, you're going to get Alexander Hamilton. Exactly, mm-hmm. yes. Yep. Uh, That's when you, when you show up to your date dressed in colonial um, attire. I, you know, I, I would definitely do that at some point. You know, I, I did have at, at one point a, uh, um, a, a General Sherman uh, costume that I wore for Halloween. I, I really just rented that. Did, it, did I ever tell you that story that when I lived in Atlanta, I went to a Halloween episode or a Halloween party dressed as General Sherman and I, and I had a torch and everything? Oh, seriously? So, somehow wow. I didn't get that, killed. That's a, I was going to say that, that, that that's a hell of a dating trend. You, we're, um, we're get, you, we're, we call this doing the Sherman. Exactly. You, you've been Shermanated. Shermanated. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I could see that becoming a thing. Uh, the folks at uh, Caffeinate, Caffeinated Comics are, are talking about uh, Black Panther because apparently it's been in the news, uh, you know, once or twice. You think? Yeah. Yeah. yeah a little bit. <laughs> Uh, I write about it, but I haven't seen it yet, although that hasn't kept certain people from writing about it. I don't know. 
<laughs> right. And, and actually, uh, uh, I will just say this. I won't say what radio show I work on because I would rather not say what radio show I work on. And uh, they, uh, they spent a segment saying that people shouldn't go see Black Panther without knowing anything about what was in the movie Black Panther. And it's sadly not because the first time that's happened. You shouldn't see it unless you know what's in it? No. Um, so, well, I, I'll just tell you the whole premise. Um, so TMZ found uh, Vivica A. Fox, and somehow in the conversation, she said that Disney should give 25% of the profits of Black Panther mm-hmm. to Black Lives Matter. And so because of that, because this random actress that had nothing to do with the movie had had said that, uh, now no one should go see the movie. This this was an actual thing that was discussed. Really? Yeah. Why? I know because it, it, I, I literally could not tell you the logic behind that. But I, uh, I will say I, I have I have a feeling that ha- should the new Terminator movie, which I'm sure is going to be full of guns, lots and lots of guns. Right. If they decide to donate 25% of their box office to the NRA, they're not going to complain. No. And uh, um, really, I, 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 I think I would complain. Put the money into making more movies and, and, and putting people in your industry to work. Don't, don't support exactly. the NRA that's or, kind of, well, or anything. Kind of my, yeah, that's kind of my bit, too. I would say, you know, that, that kind of does set a precedence. Although it's, it's, it's not like it hasn't been done before. It's not like you haven't had some movies come out and a proceeds, proceeds from their box office have been donated to different causes. You can have a, 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 a separate movie theater decide to do something like that. That happened with Wonder Woman. Some um, some um, theaters held Wonder Woman screenings, and they donated their their uh, box office to, uh, receipts to um, uh, domestic violence shelters. So right, no, yeah, it's, not, it's it's happened. But but the 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 um, the the stretch that that uh, uh, was being made here that somehow Vivica A. Fox of all people is so influential in the movie industry that just her saying this is going to make it happen so no one should go see the movie because of this. Well, but it's true. She is. And, and generally, Vivica A. Fox is the one who sends out, um, you know, the, the, the memo to everyone of all people of color. I get it, too. I mean, I'm only Puerto Rican, but, you know, I, somehow I ended up on the mailing list. And there it was, Vivica yeah. A. Fox. Hey, guys, 25% of Black Panther going to Black Lives Matter. Heads up. Tag your friends. I thought you were going to say all the studios. Like they they wait to hear what Vivek A. Fox is saying. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> this, this is the this is the show of the diversions. Uh, <laughs> on uh, on Minutia Men, Rick and Dave discuss potholes. Which, by the way, before I uh, left to go on uh, a cruise a couple weeks ago, hit a pothole and and uh, blew a tire on the way to the airport. I, I saw that on uh, on your Facebook page, and it made me more and more aware of potholes. I, said, I was like, holy crap. The potholes in Chicago have gotten ridiculous. You know, I mean, I'm just uh, – you, you, you can hit a pothole crossing the street. 
you know it, i mean it's it's, it's, it's crazy it's, it's like drivers. They, they got it, it's you know they got better streets in somalia at this point pretty much yeah I'm, I'm, I'm serious i've been i've like i've been to kenya they have nice streets there these days they, you know they, they keep those roads clear and finally the fake news fairy tale tackles the uh the issue of russian collusion you you won't want to miss that one oh see that's because it's a fairy tale exactly. no, oh that's right yeah it, it's both no. fake news and a fairy tale and a fairy tale. no collusion it was all lots and lots of of coincidences you know right so also in the past couple of weeks we ran into the uh the season finale of star trek discovery and um Okay, so so let's uh, let's start here. Uh, just the the finale episode itself. Uh, thumbs down or thumbs up? I give it a thumbs up. Uh, before I go into my into my my talk about about the finale of of, of you know Star Trek Discovery. Um, and speaking of spoilers, when my own podcast partner spoils the end. A Star Trek Discovery for me on our own <laughs> Facebook page. I was like, I was like, oh wait, oh don't tell me, no, Keith. <laughs> oh, so well for uh, for those who uh, who hadn't been uh, uh, checking out the the Geek Counter Geek Facebook page. First of all, shame on you, and uh, second of all. I uh, I did uh, post a picture of the the Discovery space shuttle and the Enterprise space shuttle uh, uh, parked right next to each other, and you know that that basically gives away the ending of Star Trek Discovery. Right. Although, was, uh, although really, I, I will say this: like, I don't think it's actually like you know, it, it's not like it, it was really giving away the ending because you know it had nothing to do with the the story. I think that was actually giving away the setup for the second season. Right, the cliffhanger, the big right. cliffhanger. Right, but still, I was watching. I was looking at them and going, "Oh, that's kind of, cl- oh, that's kind of neat." I don't, I don't, I didn't realize it the two, and I thought you were being funny. Well, and then, and then you yeah. saw it. And then I saw it. Uh, so, so now having uh, having shamed me for for spoiling it, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down on the on just just the episode itself. I want to give it kind of like a thumbs in the middle. Uh, here's the thing, and and we're uh, okay. So if you haven't seen it yet, we're gonna besides spoiling the cliffhanger ending. I'm, we're just gonna we can't get into the episode itself without really spoiling it. Right. Um. So if you haven't seen it yet, and you intend to see it, watch it, and then come back. I, yeah, I will so, give you. So one- hit pause on the on the podcast now. Go watch it and then come back. We'll wait for you. Right. See, and I knew. I knew I was in trouble when I saw that it was a story created in part and directed by Akiva Goldsman. And I cannot stand Akiva Goldsman. I used to be an Akiva Goldsman fan. He worked on Batman Forever, which I think is a fairly underrated Batman movie. I enjoyed it, even though it was Joel Schumacher and... And um, it was uh, Val Kilmer kind of doing a, a derivative of Bruce Wayne and Batman. But I thought it was still kind of cool. I had fun with it. Um, and But then he took over on Batman and Robin. He did uh, the Lost in Space movie, did all these other things. And it just was hacky, hacky, hacky. I'm sorry. 
And I know he probably he's in he's big in, you know, Hollywood because he's a working writer, you know, whoop-de-doo. He's, he's big in Hollywood because Vivica Fox said he's going to be big in Hollywood. Pretty much. I got that memo, too. I was a little pissed. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, Vivica Fox did not send that one. Um, that was Melissa Joan Hart. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right, Melissa Joan Hart sent the other one. <clears throat> I love Melissa Joan Hart. So I'm sorry, Melissa. I don't mean to make fun of you. But you were the first white person that came to mind. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so um, then you get into the episode itself, and they really had a lot to resolve. I mean, considering you have to resolve the entire Klingon war in one episode, uh-huh. and you you know, and you've got the discovery involved, and 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 I'm thinking, well, they're going to go for they're going to do something here. Should be kind of clever. I don't know. I don't know. And then and then you get to the end of the episode. And, and by the way, before we get into that, you should, you should we should, we should mention that, you know, the cliffhanger from the other episode was that uh, Georgia was going to suddenly be in command. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yes, that she was back. Of course, this is the mirror universe, mirror universe version of 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 Georgia. And she because she was the emperor of the Terran Empire. But she come, you know, uh, of course, uh, Michael Burnham. Uh, feeling the guilt of seeing, you know, her former captain die once before. didn't want to see it happen again. Brings her over to the, um, you know, the the our timeline, I guess you would call it that. The prime and universe. Dis- the prime universe. Discovers, oh, this was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Realizes, wow, you know, she kind of like, she let sentiment get in the way. And even the um, um, Philippa, you know, tells her that. She goes, look, I'm not your captain from your world. I never was. I never will be. And you let you let your own sentiment get in the way. And um, which kind of echoes back to the very beginning of uh, Star Trek Discovery with the whole mutiny of Michael Burnham on on the um, on the Shinzo and the the you know that when she wanted to stop the Klingon Empire right then and there. And and it would have ended all there, but you know she had to like break a lot of Starfleet rules, so it's there, there was a certain um, um, symmetry symmetry to it, right? But and then you go, okay, fine. You, you, I'm wondering which way is it going? You know, it's trying to push me in one direction. It's pushing you know the Michael Burnham character in one direction, then another, and then another. And she decides she can't. You know, we're not going to be, um, you know, a, a warmongering race. You know, we're not going to. Uh, compromise the ethics of Starfleet because isn't that what a lot of folks have had taken issue with with the Star Trek Discovery showing Starfleet in wartime and it's like we seem you know it's like Starfleet doesn't appear to be any better than the Klingons are when it comes to how they fight and how they're you know dealing with the conflict so they decide we're gonna here's what we're gonna do we're gonna reset it we're gonna say we're better than everyone else and we're gonna hold to the ethics of Starfleet and we're going to do it in such a contrived way <laughs> that <clears throat> the Klingon Empire, those guys have to be utter morons to buy into this little thing that's been set up. And it, hey, uh, what, in fairness, do, do you ever think you'd look at the Klingons and think, yeah, these are these are smart, uh, smart aliens? Well, yeah, but even then, I mean, they're not, I mean, smart or not that smart or whatever. I mean, the Klingon Empire is supposed to be fractured. 
and you have all these houses doing their own thing, kind of going re- going rogue, and and you know fighting again without honor, fighting without unity, and so on. So you have you give you know one character the opportunity to be able to be the new patriarch, or in this case matriarch, of a, of a of the Klingon Empire. But you do it in a way where I don't know if I was one of the other heads of houses of 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 the you know of, of you know of um uh, of, it, my brain keeps like freezing up all the time when it comes to planets. Kronos. Kronos. Thank you. <clears throat> and you want to know why I keep the problem I have with remembering Kronos? It's because that's Euros too. Oh yeah, yeah, same thing. Right. Now, now I at one point in my uh, in my life, uh, I had to actually uh, for for a job clock in and clock out on a program called Kronos. So I'll never Kronos. forget it. There you go. So if you're if I'm ahead of the house of Kronos, and this Klingon woman who won was subservient to the one guy in the Klingon Empire that we all thought was an was an outcast in a in a wimp and whatever. And then she comes in and says, "Hey, you got to bow to me or I can blow up the entire planet." I'd say one of two things. I'd say one, get the fuck out of here, but I'd say it in Klingon. <laughs> you know, because I know there's a Klingon uh, in uh, <laughs> how um how would you say that? <clears throat> I'll we'll look it up. And two, Prove it. You know? Well, she had the little remote thing. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a box that tells me you can blow up the planet. Really? You can? Seriously? And then, if I don't want her to really be in charge of the, 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 the again, the houses, you know, the entire Klingon Empire, you know, I get my own little drone, send it down into the bowels of Kronos, and knock out that first drone. Not that hard. Or wait a minute, don't we have transporter technology? Don't the Klingons have it too? You sit there and you go, oh wait, let's find that thing. Okay, let's let's transport it out of there, beam it out of there, out into the into the sun or something, and that way we have pretty much taken away all this woman's leverage. So I kept waiting for something to show why the Klingons were buying into it, like even a line of dialogue from Starfleet saying. Well, you know, the the houses of of, of the, the you know the other houses are suspicious, but they've they've detected the drone in the heart of Kronos. So for now, you know they they're going along with it and blah blah blah. And the peace is tenuous, but we'll be watching. You know stuff like that. Hey, you know for for all we know, those conversations did happen. They just happened off camera. Off camera, but it's stupid. You know, they, they only had an hour to work with, Elliot, even though it's the internet and they have all the time that they could possibly want. They decided, hey, we're, we're getting this into an hour because we may have to air it at some point if there's a writer's strike. So, yeah, it wasn't an hour. It was 45 minutes. I, I timed it. It's 45. It wasn't even a whole hour. Yeah, and that's the thing I don't get. Why is it that, you know, the episodes are, are just as long as they would be on broadcast TV? I, I think that's literally why it's because they want to have a nice, uh, s- nice stable of uh, content that they can play if there's a writer's strike again. Uh, true. So anyway, so I was I, I'm watching the episode and OK, I, I, but at the end, I was like, that's it. That It's over. I mean, really? That's that's how the Federation Klingon war ended. By- well, I think that, uh, you know, it, it, it partially makes a little bit more sense because like they weren't 
and there is a line of dialogue that sort of makes this clear that they weren't really it really wasn't a war with the federation per se it was like uh it was like a, a, a couple of groups of couple of separate groups of teenagers trying to up the vandalism <laughs> like they, they like they each they, they each picked a neighbor to to do vandalism you know like on their property and they were just trying to outdo each other and then she says uh no we're going to be united again so stop doing that and come back home so that's really all she was doing Oh, if you consider like killing entire planets full of people and destroying star bases and stuff, vandalism. Oh, I'm I'm saying the Klingons would have would have thought of it that way. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, wow, some pretty serious vandalism is all. I mean, if I'm Starfleet, I'm like I'm doing more than taking away those their their uh, their spray cans. You know. <laughs> well, they you know they had to they had to rebuild the fleet because they they were what down to twenty percent. Yeah, they were like, you know, we have like six ships left and we're going to hit Kronos with him. And, and apparently <laughs> it was six ships left and, and the Discovery and the Enterprise are the apparently the only ones that were left without a scratch. Pretty much. So, uh, and then, so, so yeah, so I'm like, huh? I mean, yeah, it's like, again, because I cared enough about these characters, I was afraid someone was going to die. No one died. I mean, even the, 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 the evil Philippa, is alive you know and, and so obviously know, she's going to come back at some point yeah she's going to factor in somewhere yeah and did you notice how jason isaac's name was in the credits i did and notice yet, that and and i thought that i think that there's a there's a chance because you know when they first got to the mirror universe they were very vague like they kept saying just saying it's run by a tyrannical emperor and they, you know, they wouldn't say anything. And like, just their vagueness made me think, oh, it's definitely going to be Giorgio. And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking the same thing that uh, somehow the original uh, uh, Lorca, uh, he either didn't go to the mirror universe or he came back and he ended up on Vulcan, and that's who the new captain's going to be. Yeah, because they, 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 again, they were pushing so hard. Oh no. Well, what did, what did the admiral of uh, the admiral of Starfleet said? No, my Gabriel Lorca is gone. We'll never see him again. When she said that, I went, "Nah, he's coming back." No, I mean, <laughs> just, just the fact that you know you didn't see a body of the uh, of the prime Lorca. You know, just like Giorgio, because she she's still out there. She's going to come back at some point. They're going to work her back into a story. If they can get Harry Mudd in there, they can they can get those two back in there at some point. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you don't introduce Harry Mudd once and then forget about him later. Yeah, so, I mean, they, which, listen. They only had they only had fifteen episodes. It was serialized, and they found a way to get Harry Mudd into two episodes. And I, and again, you know, beyond kind of what I felt was a bit of a letdown for um for a season season finale. Um, and you know, I mean, it's too bad. I had seen the two season finales of The Good Place. You know, <laughs> which we talked about we talked about last time. And I'm going. Those are two solid season finales, and um, even the the, the mid season finale for um, Star Trek Discovery was, you know, really good compared to their overall season finale. Um, so uh, yeah, I give it a thumbs in the middle overall. Though for the entire season of Star Trek Discovery, definitely a thumbs up. Uh, probably w when it comes to a strong series debut. You know, when it comes to a series debut, um, I was on board with Star Trek. I got on, I've gotten on board 
with Star Trek Discovery way quicker than I did with um, Next Generation. Mm-hmm. And that, that first season of Next Generation is tough to watch. I mean, it's people forget. It's kind of clunky. Does it does it make me a, ba- a bad Trek fan to say that it seems like the best thing that happened to the next generation was uh, was a Gene Roddenberry not being involved anymore? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact that he was. Yeah, I mean, the the first couple seasons they were pre- they were pretty rough, and it seemed like it it took. You know, maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe you know the writers just you know figured out what they were doing. Maybe the cast gelled better, but it seemed like uh, like maybe it took. Uh, it took uh, Gene Roddenberry, unfortunately, passing away for them to really, really get it together. You know, I mean, it, I think Gene Roddenberry probably forgot himself. Um, when you look at classic Trek, um, how much conflict there is on that show and how, you know, I mean, a lot of times they sit there and go, oh, well, Star Trek is about, you know, human beings and utopia and everyone gets along and da da da. Like, guys, watch the original show. Really watch it. And you'll see you'll see that there's plenty of conflict on there. Except in that case, it's, you know, it's the humans going around talking about how great they are. <laughs> right. And, yeah. all the, and all the aliens don't realize, hey, look, guys, you guys are kind of backwards and stuff. So it's like um, um, it, it made that when uh, it, it's funny because uh, the uh, when you finally watch the movies and uh, and um, Kirk keeps calling um, Spock. You know, you're you're very human. And then Spock goes, well, I, I find that offensive. You know? mm-hmm. It's like it's, it's 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 really it's it's Kirk being kind of racist. <laughs> you know, it's him going, <clears throat> you know, you're you're almost like a white guy. You know, you're almost <laughs> good. Yeah, it's really, you know, you're almost like one of us. <laughs> never, never thought about it that way. Speaking <clears throat> of which, uh, speaking <clears throat> of, uh, of of Spock uh, specifically, if uh if you're if you're Alex Kurtzman, do you try to get Bruce and Zach to come and and be uh, and be Spock and Pike, or do you do you recast? Because because at some point you, you gotta you, you've shown the ship. You're, obviously, you're gonna have some interaction with the Enterprise. You, it seems like you're gonna run into them. Do you, do you call up your old friends Bruce and Zach and say, "Hey, how about doing a a, a one or two episode arc?" <sighs> You kind of have to. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. Because you think about like, like, like Supergirl, you know, Supergirl is going on at the same time as the DC movie universe. And it would have been very easy for them to bring in, you know, like uh, bring in Henry Cavill to to play Superman. But they didn't. They recast it. So, and you know, they, you know, so so it's not something they would have to do. Maybe they would think bringing bringing in the, you know actors from the from the movies are going to make things a little confusing so i could see an argument both ways but it seems like that would be a really cool thing to to have them because even though they're supposed to be different universes um they'd still look the same so you know you could you could bring them back and it's not like uh either actor is you know so busy right now that they couldn't handle a couple episodes ah that's true um I, i'm just waiting for them to finally introduce uh Sarek's brother you know, the one, <clears throat> the one that sent the Kirk and the Enterprise looking for God. Well, I don't think they do that because they uh, he and Spock hadn't seen each other in years. Right. Right. But I'm just saying, you know, a lot of times people were saying, how is it that Michael Burnham is is Sarek's, you know, adopted daughter? He's got Spock and this, that and the other. How, how can you introduce a character like that at the last moment? And we never heard of them. And yet in the final frontier, 
<laughs> yeah. out, Spock had an uncle. Which, which, so, which by the way, uh, you know, she was sort of the, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the foster child of the family. How often would that come up? Like, I, I, I thought that was like just looking for sort of, uh, sort of a pothole, uh, a plot hole. We talked about potholes earlier. Um, you know, I, I to, to me, it, you know, it, it wasn't even an issue. Like, you know, yeah, I get, I get, you know, Kirk and Spock, they knew each other for a long time, but that doesn't mean it was going to come up. Right. But I'm, I'm just saying that when Final Frontier came out, though, Star Trek fans did bring it up. Right. They're they like, did. What? Yeah. Wait, where did this guy come from? How come we never seen him before? We never heard of him. Blah, blah, blah. So to me, the, everything as far as discovery goes, it's not it's not without precedent, you know. And again, you're you're talking to somebody who himself was very critical of. The, oh know, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you you were, you were kind of uh, on the fence as to whether or not you were even going to watch it. Yeah, I was like, this is going to be stupid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched it. I was like, all right, I okay. <laughs> and again, why? Because I like the characters. The characters were endearing. I liked this crew. I wanted this crew to succeed. I, I cared about them. When things happened to them, you know, it, it, it affected me. I, you know, I, I was invested in this, in these characters. So that's what made it work. Not because it's got a Star Trek label slapped on it. Not because, you know, they, they're, you know, it's, it's a franchise that people have known you know, for decades, you know, a lot of people are going to say the show is just trying to capitalize and, you know, cash in on it. But, you know, I'm going to tell you, it's a well, I think it's a well done show. You know, so, yeah, I'm all I'm, I'm looking forward to the next season. <clears throat> Me, too. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that that your your criticisms of the uh, finale are are certainly, you know, I, I, I can't poke poke any holes in them when you're you're pretty much right but i would say that uh you know sort of like within the context it, it makes sense because you know you can't have uh laurel around for the whole thing and um you know like it seemed like she had to be sort of like the the pivotal person in ending the war just because they had kept her around for so long so you know however it ended up playing out this way they had like an hour or really 44 minutes to wrap this whole thing up and uh maybe they painted themselves in the corner maybe they you know maybe they they planned it that way i don't know but for whatever reason they had just one episode to wrap everything up and and uh, i think they they did the best they could under those circumstances and it it made for a good story even if uh even if you spent too much time thinking about it you were like what well it's like tolstoy said if you capture a klingon in the beginning of your series, she must be the queen of the empire by the end. Of course, he said that all in Klingon. You have not experienced Shakespeare until you have read him in the original Klingon. Tach, 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 The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gabatron?